Millennial Way, a podcast made for the on-the-go millennial, giving you tips and advice on how to up-level your career, teaching you the things they don't teach you in school. When they ask why, just tell them it's the Millennial Way. Here's your host, Chase Coleman. Yo, welcome back to season four. What? Season four. Last week we had the best of season three. Easily one of my favorite episodes to produce, record, all that fun stuff because we got to collaborate on all of the greatness that we heard during season three. And I'm telling you, we're going to continue bringing the heat. We're going to continue bringing the fire. And heat, that reminds me of something. It's what? That's right, it's summertime, guys, and I love the summer. Now, I've been on a mission to become healthier, lose a little bit of weight, become a little bit leaner, and I am proud to tell you guys that I've lost eight pounds over the last month. Woo, yeah, go chase. But that all leads me into this one piece of like conversation that happens at work almost every single time when I start talking about losing weight. And people will go to... I mean, all ends to really lose weight. They'll try new diets. They'll try new workouts. They'll try new trainers. They'll do whatever they they can to try to lose it. But I'll tell you guys, I figured out what works best for me. When at work, I am always joking around about why I'm losing actual weight. People are like, "But Chase, like you're pretty lean. You 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 look like you're in good shape. Why are you trying to lose weight?" I'm like, "Guys, I got to get my summer body ready." And nobody gets it. And I think that's something that kind of comes with our generation in terms of the fact that. We get ready for summer. We gear up for it. We work out. We eat right. We try to lose as much weight because we're trying to go on the beach. We're trying to take our shirts off, post a couple pictures on Instagram, and look good for everybody. I mean, shoot, like, you know, I want to be the best version of me, and the best version of me includes being in the gym. And lastly, y'all, I want to give a quick shout-out to my boy Andre Norris. He was out here in Seattle over the weekend, and boy, did we eat our way through the town. We had some of the best Italian food some of the best pho that you could have, I swear, like on this planet, you know, maybe outside of like Vietnam. We And we had just like a great time. And it's always good to reconnect with friends. He's my COO for the millennial way. I mean, guys, like we got so much good stuff coming up for you. I am so pumped and shout out to him. And now let's get into it. I have one hell of a guest for you guys today. Melanie Stewart is joining us from Google. I'm going to pause right there. That's right. Google. And I am so excited to have her on today's show. Y'all, let's get into this. And first off, let me first apologize by saying my voice is groggy in this episode because I was a little sick. But we're going to start off. Melanie, can you take us on a quick, quick recap of your journey and how you got to Google? Literally never expected it. I think that's the best part um, about working here is I'm (laughs) constantly looking around and grateful to, you know, check in every morning, um, which I think contributes a bit to kind of where we're at now, um, just being grateful. So long story short, in Stetson, I was a, like, philosophy poli-sci major looking to go into the Marine Corps (laughs) and uh, and be a JAG, (laughs) right, so go to law school. That ship has sailed, Um, but I think that that was my original plan, and the discipline I gained through that was, I think, really important. 
So no. That's uh, awesome. And you took the LSAT too and everything, right? Like you were getting ready to go to law school and you were like, I'm going to do this. I'm taking the LSAT. And then what kind of happened from there? Yeah. So I took the LSAT twice actually. Um, and okay. it was great. But before I even took that, I was a uh, candidate in the Marine Corps. My ship date was set. Everything was squared away. And, um, and that was like first step. So before I even thought about the LSAT, I was like, I had to go spend, you know, six years as an officer and then I'll take the LSAT and then move on with my life. And, um, you know, I think my wife now <laughs> kind of pointed me in the right direction and said, well, if you're going to go to law school, like, just go to law school. <laughs> Right, like, why are you creating these unnecessary hurdles? And I was like, oh, okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so went took the LSAT. You know, did fine. Took it again because I read somewhere that statistically you're better off. And I was like, okay, great. And that is true. So take it more than once. Um, and then started okay. to apply to all these schools. And I uh, I paid my way through Destin, which was, as you know, expensive. So when I started to look at what the <laughs> the bill would be for a uh, a law degree, I was like, whoa, this isn't, I was bartending at the time, part-time, studying for the LSAT. Okay. And I was like, there's no way in hell I'm going to have, you know, what, 200 grand to throw at this degree? Like, I'm going to be broke forever. And yeah. maybe that's not, <laughs> and I was 20 years old. I graduated early. So I was like, there's no way that I'm going to take on that kind of responsibility with little prospects at 20. So um, luckily I had a handful of mentors um, in my life professionally that I didn't even know I had at the time. So I was a little headstrong and yeah. didn't want to ask for help. But um, people came out of the woodwork to kind of point me in the right direction. Um, and most of them were Mackenzie's family members. So luckily, some, you know, her grandpa a, was a big-time financial consultant in New York. He got on a call with me, and in his consultative nature, <laughs> was like, what are you good at, right? Like, let's pull out these transferable skills and figure out, like, where you could actually have a career, right? Yeah. I was 20. I was pissed off because, like, my plan didn't work. I didn't want anyone to help me. And, you know, I just – I still remember that call. He was like, you're aggressive, right? You're driven. You're, uh, like, good mm -hmm. at deadlines. You're goal-oriented. You should go into sales. I was like, what are you talking about? I'm not going to go into sales. I hate – at the time, I hate talking to people. I don't want to be social. I just want to go and work out and be in the military. Like, this isn't going to work out. And um, he's like, well, that's what I think. I think you should go into medical sales. I was like, oh, sick. So a couple okay. months later, um, I had someone in the in the industry who works, you know, he sells, like, orthopedic spine stuff, um, really successful, and got on a call with me and kind of confirmed what, uh, what I had been hearing, right? Like, hey, this is a good pathway for you. Yeah. You should just get a, an entry-level job in sales and set your ambition here, here, and here. It kind of, like, helped me create a vision for myself um, that I didn't really see possible, right? Because I was thinking very okay. linearly, yeah. like, what are, the, what are the steps right now? Like, I'm in survival mode coming out of college. Like, what do I do um, and what do I need to do? So in my eyes, it was like, I'm going to bartend until I can, like, buy a car. And, like, just thinking very small. Yep. And um, I had these people come – into my life and say like no here's the big picture like here's what you can accomplish and here are the steps that you need to take to get there and at the time yeah. I didn't even see I didn't even see my potential and I'm sure you've had experiences like that too so yeah no totally I think that's short, really cool because so I just think it's really cool because 
you know, at such a young age, we have to figure it, we try to figure everything out for ourselves. And I think the biggest piece of it is being able to sit back and listen to somebody who is a little bit more mature and also who's had that, that life and that career experience to really help us understand what it is that we want to get out of our lives and experiences. Right. And like you had Mackenzie's grandfather who was able to say, Hey, like, let's take a step back and look at you for who you are as a person well-rounded, not just for who you are today, but who you are your entire life. And let's pull those skills out and let's really say, what is it that you should be doing from a career standpoint? And then he was like, Oh my Lord, like you are a salesperson through and through. And as much as we may not necessarily agree with it or want to be that at that time, it's like, but this is what you're going to be good at and what you're going to thrive in. So I think it's really cool that he was able to kind of round that out for you. And then all of your other mentors were able to round that out for you too, to be able to say like, Hey, this is what you should be doing because you're going to be really good at this. And it may be a little bit painful for at the beginning because you have to kind of swallow your pride on what you believed this to be. And now you're going to really go do it. Right. Oh yeah, totally. And I think like the swallow your pride and go do it (laughs) Like, if I'm going to live by anything, I think that's what's been the game changer for me over the last six years. And most people I work with, too, yeah. and, um, I, you know, you and most people, I think, in our generation, that's what you need, right, is to lean on other people and recognize that you're not going to figure it out, <laughs> period. Exactly. Exactly. And it takes, like, like I tell people this all the, all the time, is it takes a village le- legitimately. And that's yeah. – a a phrase that I got from my mom because my mom went back to nursing school when I was in like middle school and she needed help while she was going through school because it was like she needed people to help take care of us sometimes she needed to be able to get us to basketball and football practice sometimes she needed help with us statistics homework sometimes or whatever it may be and when I think about like my journey to getting to Starbucks even like I couldn't do that all on my own I needed mentors I needed my family I needed support from my friends so it's like you need to be able to swallow your pride and realize like I can't do this all by myself and I need to, <laughs> right. I need to be able to lean on others or else I'm never going to truly be able to accomplish whatever it is that I want to accomplish because well, shoot, like one person can only do so much, but when you have people who have a wide network or people who can, you know, speak from experiences, then all of a sudden like your brain is broadened and your network is broadened too, if you're able to, to tap into other people's networks too. Oh, yeah. And people are happy to help. And I think that's the thing that I really needed to hammer into my head is that, you know, not everything comes at a cost, right? And people are happy to help. So um, as long as you're open and willing to ask for it. So I kind of came out of college with the mentality of everything will come with strings attached. And that includes professional help Mm -hmm. or professional development, um, or even like with my mental health, like I believe that. And there was a um, a really solid paradigm shift to say, like, no, people are willing to help. You just have to ask for it. And it doesn't always come with strings attached. You know, oftentimes it doesn't. Yeah. So uh, totally agree with you there. I love that. I love that. And kind of switching gears over to the Google uh, workplace, mm-hmm. right? Like, I think this is a really good topic talking about, um, like, being open and collaborative and being able to ask questions and get people to help you. I know at Starbucks, when I first started there, the best part about it was I was able to walk over to anyone's desk and be able to truly ask them any question about the business or ask for help. And they're willing to help me. 
Um, I would love to hear a little bit about the culture at Google. I mean, I think a lot of us have heard about how great and how fun and how cool it is to work there. And even after watching like the movie, the internship with Vince Vaughn, it's like, <laughs> dang, like that looks like a really cool place to work at. But I, I'm curious to hear from, from an insider, what it's, what it's truly like to work there and what your, what your guys' work culture is, is truly like. Yeah, no, that's a great question. And it, it's funny you mentioned the internship because a lot of that is, is true, especially the part about walking around <laughs> and not knowing who people are like the, you know, the guy in the movie, the headphones, who's like the VP of the company, like, yeah. that's true and has happened multiple times. Um, oh, my But Lord. anyway, which is cool. I mean, you have access. You have access, but um, the good thing is you don't always have to be on your toes, right? So you mentioned a collaborative yeah. workspace, and that's – even when you look at the office design, it's an open floor, an open workplace, and that goes for everyone. So the only people with offices – are, you know, either directors or VPs, but their doors are always open and it's a glass wall, right? So everyone always okay. kind of knows yeah. what's happening. And I think that's one of the biggest perks is we can constantly walk around and, and know kind of, you know, that everyone's going to be open. So for networking, it's almost an endless opportunity because if you get some time in your calendar and you don't know who it's from, you're not going to deny it, right? So um, and that goes yeah. for higher-ups too. So we have constant access to mentorship and networking, et cetera, et cetera. Day-to-day -day working on projects, oftentimes, like, when I'm putting together a presentation for a client, A, there's four or five of us working on the same client with different expertise anyway. But then also across mm -hmm. either the vertical or the company, there are multiple stakeholders who specialize in different things, and they're compensated on helping each other, right? So I think, um, yeah. you know, overall, the culture is very – olive branch like let's just do this together but we're also incentivized that way so it enforces the fact that working together and extending your time and being patient and helpful is actually the right thing to do right and from a okay. from the top down that's the not only the standard but it's if you don't do it then you're not quote googly right which is actually something we're yeah. so um really okay. integrated into the culture that's awesome that's that's so cool to hear. And the fact that the movie <laughs> is actually pretty, yeah. <laughs> pretty close to the culture is, <laughs> is pretty funny. Yeah. I watched, and one thing I that pretty much, oh, go ahead. No, no, keep going. I was just going to make a joke about the movie. I mean, I think most people who are interviewing watch that movie. Like I watched it on the plane to my interview and I was like, this is hilarious. Like there's no, it's actually true. And you walk on campus. At, at Mountain View, and you see, like, an intramural soccer team playing, and you're like, this is ridiculous. Um, but it's true. <laughs> because the, the founders That's of the company, so cool. they were from Stanford, and they truly believed that the open kind of collegiate atmosphere was where they did their best work, right? So whether that was across yeah. a lunch table or on an intramural field, you know, most of their ideas, even the idea for Google, started there. So they emulated yeah. kind of the university culture into all of their offices. That's amazing. See, that's that's really cool to hear. And one thing that I also noticed is that, like, Google has so many different offices just around the United States. And mm -hmm. ever since I switched over to Nestle, I've been, like, we've had to work more, um, I would say, virtually than I ever have before just because Starbucks, everybody's there within, like, the one building. Right. So everybody's having meetings all the time. But now it's kind of switched over to, like, we do everything via Skype or, you know, through, like, our computers and I'm I'm just curious as as to how you guys work at Google because I know that 
across different verticals, across different like business units. You could be working with someone in Austin, Texas. You could be working with someone in LA. I'm sure someone maybe in London or whatever that may be. But like, mm-hmm. how do you guys work when it comes to being working virtually? And also, how do you how do you find like efficiencies in working virtually too? Yeah, no, I think that's a good question. Because there are offices everywhere, most of our work is done virtually, except our core teams okay. and then our clients, right? So we go travel to our clients or we're on phone calls with them, kind of as per usual. Um, but a lot of our stuff is virtual. So via, you know, video chat or Hangout, Google Hangout, you said Skype, yeah. boo. Um, but anyway, <laughs> you know, and I, in, terms of, in terms of efficiency, I mean, there's a handful of best practices, right, of how to be engaging via video and et cetera, et cetera. But it's become more complex than not. And I'm more comfortable on a video call than I am on a phone call, right, because you can actually actively okay. engage with who you're working with. You can read their facial expression and be more invested. So. Um, I'd say, you know, probably two-thirds of my meetings are via video, and then the other third are kind of a mix between internal, uh, like face-to-face or, in, you know, face-to-face with clients out visiting. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, that's it's so cool. commonplace to me. And when you say efficiency, like, that's just how it is, right? Um, and, you know, you can hop <laughs> from 10 meetings a day and not feel like, you know, you didn't leave your house. Um, but yeah, that's I think it actually makes it more efficient and more collaborative having access the people across the globe, whether they be in Sydney or, you know, Paris, wherever, um, across time zones, et cetera, you know, with the click of a button, I think it's revolutionary and really has pushed the business forward. That's awesome. That's awesome to hear. And do you think that there's a lot of opportunities for you to be able to, say, move from office to office? I know that you, because you've moved from Ann Arbor to Chicago now, and I think yeah. I'm one excited for your move for you. I'll be out in Chicago in June, and I'm super pumped to be able to see you again, hang out for a little bit and enjoy the fun town of Chicago. And I know that it's much, much bigger than Ann Arbor, but what's, what are those opportunities <laughs> like to be able to move, <laughs> to be able to move across like those different verticals or business units? Yeah, no, that's a good question too. And I think something that Google prides itself on is, uh, is transparency and, and mobility. So there's a handful of like rotation programs that will get you six months in Sydney or London um, Singapore, et cetera, et cetera. You can do a rotation and then come back to your regular role without too much interruption, which I think is a great opportunity yeah. um, to work so across cool. teams and across, you know, verticals. Um, beyond that, if you wanted to move full-time to a separate role, I think it's it's not uncommon, right? We have, have a handful of friends that just moved to Dublin mm-hmm. um, out of, you know, more entry-level roles. Now they're taking the next step in their career, moving abroad, um, same thing wow. with London and, and Sydney. So I don't, and then across the U.S., it's more common than not actually to see people move around um, to and from the Bay Area throughout their career progression. So, you know, mm-hmm. not uncommon at all. And across verticals, I mean, I think it just depends on the needs of the business. But again, we've had people come uh, from all kind of areas of Google uh, to specifically travel. And I think it's a cool testament to have a wide breadth of experience coming out of the business. So um, definitely accessible to say the least. That's awesome. That's so cool. And I do want to switch gears just a little bit because we've been talking a lot about Google and then kind of like, but I want to do kind of talk about like life and tech because I think it's a a hot topic, especially in in nowadays. I think one thing that a lot of companies, like seriously, a bunch of companies who are, 
either losing talent, trying to retain their talent. They're trying to become more like a quote unquote tech company by offering lunch or, you know, flexible work options or whatever it may be. Mm -hmm. And I just think that it's so cool to be able to work in a a business model that kind of every other company is trying to emulate. So Mm -hmm. I'm curious to hear your thoughts on just like life in tech. How is it? Are you super, super happy with it? Like things that you maybe want to see change or not change, like just would love to get your, your quick rant on, on life in tech. Totally. Um, yeah, I'm thinking about like how to approach this because there's so much, but I think first and foremost, it's, um, it's about opportunity, right? So we can talk about free lunch Mm -hmm. and great healthcare and all the other perks we get, but I think those are just (laughs) residual benefits, right? So what, uh, what actually tech and working in tech and the, the major perk is that the industry is constantly adapting, constantly, day over day, right? I mean, think about ITP or GDPR. Oh, yeah. These are overnight changes that will bring companies under, truly. Um, so mm-hmm. staying, you know, proactively adaptive in the industry is critical. And with that being said, we're constantly learning, changing, and evolving um, at even my level, right? Obviously, big Google, too, and all tech. But um, the constant adaptation and evolution means that we're always growing and we're always a little bit uncomfortable, right? So I think there's something yeah. you know, that you're never going to grow without uncomfortability, but, like, that is true to the max. So every day when I come in, we're finding the best solutions for our clients, but our products are changing, too. We have to be masters of both our client, sales skills, and the technical side. So you don't really get yeah. bored because as soon as you know something, it adapts right? So you have to adapt. So you're kind of on this forefront changing mentality. Uh, For someone who wants stability, I I would say don't work in tech. But if you do want to be really pushing yourself um, and and learning, then that's great. So with that being said, the people I work with, they're all smarter Mm -hmm. than I am, which is awesome. I love being like the dumbest person in the room. (laughs) Honestly. (laughs) And I'm pushed, uh, I'm pushed in the industry and pushed every day just to be uh, a more well-rounded person as well as more well-rounded in my career. So, um, and that's not just Google. That's, you know, we've met with, I'm part of the Gaglers, which is like an ERG um, or a play resource group mm-hmm. for gay Googlers. And we started to meet with other players in the tech space. So like Uber, LinkedIn, et cetera. And the same vibe is there for all of these big companies is, you know, the industry yeah. is always changing. How do we stay on top? And it's more about a like thirst for knowledge and growth which makes people successful in the industry uh, more so than like, oh, yeah. hey, look, I get free lunch. <laughs> so um, <Yeah. laughs> I think, you know, the mentality and the opportunity is something that, that I love. And for that reason, you know, I'm really honored to be building a career in tech. That's awesome. That's so, that's so great to hear. And so, that it's so much more than just, you know, the perks, because you, I mean, you hear about the, the horror stories. And that's, <laughs> Well, yeah, yeah. Don't get me wrong. Like, I, right, right, I think right. the perks are fantastic. It's just funny because, you know, working in in a consumer packaged goods um, industry, we hear about tech often and how yeah. we're trying to evolve like a tech company. And then you also hear the horror stories about tech too. And people are like, oh, but you have to work those what they call like quote unquote Amazon hours, and you're working like twelve hour days or thirteen hour days. And then sometimes I look down at my clock at my desk and I'm like, I just pulled a 12 hour day. So I'm not sure yeah, what I'm the difference is. Right. And, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the reality is like work is work and you, whatever it is that's yeah. on your plate, like 
in my opinion, if if you're if you have the ability to get the work done, they're going to give it to you. If you don't have the yeah. ability to get that work done, then they're not going to risk giving you that work because they're not going to waste your time or company funds or whatever it may be. Um, yeah. So it's like you got to take all of those like horror stories aside and actually talk to somebody and network a little bit to actually truly understand what it's like to work in that office. And truly, like everyone that I know that works in tech, whether it be you at Google or my buddies who work at Facebook or Twitter or um, – you know, in the YouTube division, any anywhere, they're also generally happy. And I think it's because of the fact that they have a thirst for knowledge and also the fact that, like you said, the industry is always changing and it's always making yeah. you guys better. And I think that's something that other big corporations can start to implement into their strategies and also into just like their day-to-day businesses to be more flexible and more willing to adapt because innovation is what inevitably drives your your company's growth at the end of the day. And for all these big major corporations who have done things um, the same way for 50, 100, hundreds of years, they have to be right. able to be willing to adapt or change or else they're going to turn into the blockbusters of the world and they're not going to innovate. And the next thing you know, they, like you said, they go under and then it's just like, well, what the hell happened? Well, Netflix came came in and took over because they made it more accessible for the consumer or whatever it may be, Right. 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 And I mean, one I other thing. Totally agree. Oh, keep going. And one other thing that no, I, I want to talk talk to you about is just kind of like getting into tech. So, as a mm-hmm. college graduate, what what like advice or recommendations would you give to um, somebody who's just coming out of college who wants to get into tech or who's looking to get into tech? Yeah, um, I think that's a great question and something that we hear a lot. Um, so first and foremost, a lot of the like the technical skills, i.e. if you're going to learn Google Ads or you're going to learn analytics or even like Facebook marketing, any of that can be learned, right? But what can't be learned is mm-hmm. the piece we spoke on earlier, right, like the hunger, the drive, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, you know, I work in the ads business. People who are getting hired in at an entry level within the ads business, um, a lot of the time have limited technical knowledge but they have a wide breadth of experience and they're ready and willing to take on a challenge. They learn quickly. They're coachable they're adaptable. So focusing on kind of the soft skills almost of having mental toughness, right? Grinding through a, you know, a role, knowing where you stand, like where you're like what your moral code is, right? All these things seem simple, but so many people don't have that. So when they come into a role where they have to really, like, quote, drink from the fire hose, learn quickly, be coachable, fail hard and fail fast, they can't, right? Or they don't allow themselves to. So um, I think if you're mm-hmm. coming out of college, you're not going to land your dream job first. You just won't, period. If you do, that's amazing. Good for you. Never leave. Yeah. But um, <laughs> being able to see kind of the long-term vision while you're, you know, checking boxes and really grinding in your role I think will open up doors for you. Um, also, the second piece okay. of that is what we talked about earlier, right, is asking for help or reaching out and networking. I mean, people will help you. So network in the industry, um, you know, figure out which piece of the industry that you care about. If you want to go work for a startup, then network for startups, right? If you want to work for a big mm-hmm. uh, big tech company, then find somebody there, right, like, and network. So networking and being, I think, coachable are the two biggest pieces because, any of these skills can be learned as long as 
you're ready for the opportunity when it comes. Yeah, I love that. I love that. And then I, the last piece that I want to touch on is that Googliness that you talked about earlier, because I think it's it's important from like a company culture perspective to hire somebody who fits within that company culture, right? Yeah. And I don't think that a lot of like new grads or college students even realize that company culture is such a huge fit, especially when it comes to recruiting. Um, you may have all the skills that they're looking for. You may have all the experience, but if they don't think that you're going to necessarily work well with everybody day to day, then they're not going to, they're not going to be willing to take that risk on you. Right. And I would just love to hear right. from your perspective, what, what that Googliness means and how recruiters really go about like looking for that within, I guess, the interview process. So that way we can, yeah. we, I mean, anybody who's like applying for a job at Google can be um, as well informed as possible, especially like looking for like, you know, if they're looking for tech roles or breaking into tech or whatever that may be. Yeah. And I, you know, to preface, I'm not a recruiter, <laughs> like period. I'm not. <laughs> um, but yeah. with that being said, um, you know, I work with enough Googlers to kind of know what, uh, what it means. So long story short, we're just looking for like good people. And that sounds vague, but really what it means is are you willing to go out on a limb, right? And like work with others, be collaborative, be coachable. Yeah. Can you fail? Right? Like how are you going to work with, um, with people when things are changing? Are you able to navigate ambiguity? right, or not. And if that's going to mm -hmm. be a no, then tech's not probably for you and Google's probably not for you, right, because it, the space yeah. is so collaborative that if you are, you know, fiercely protective and kind of more individualistic and a lone wolf, then it's probably not going to work. So not a, you know, end-all, be-all case, but at the end of the day, you know, are you a good person? <laughs> um, just by regular <laughs> standards, are you going to work with people? And um, are you willing to, to collaborate and really accept and give feedback as a gift and not just as a, well, I have to do this. So, um, yeah. and I think it's intentionally vague as well, but um, because the Google culture is this, I mean, it's unique that you can say the same for really any company, right? And I'm sure the culture at Facebook or Amazon, it's different. So, um, you know, if you fit into the Google culture, then that's really what we're looking for there. Oh, I love that. I love that. And I have to ask everybody this to close out the show. If you had 90 seconds in an elevator and someone just asked you for one piece of advice, whether it be life advice, career advice, anything, um, what, what would you give them? Yeah, I mean, I would just say listen, right? I mean, listen to <laughs> yourself or listen to other people. Like, you don't always know what is right. And a lot of the time, like, I get very tunnel visioned and it's been a detriment. So listen to other people because they're there for a reason and they're there to help you. So that would be my, I think, 15 I second elevator pitch. <laughs> I love that. And Mel, thank you so much for coming on today. I know so many people are going to be so happy to hear from you. I was excited to hear from you. Um, I know that every time I get to see you, it's, it's a, it's a blast. And I mean, last time I saw you shoot, was it your wedding? Um, was the last yeah, time I, I saw so. you? <laughs> and which was, I mean, one hell of a time. And it was so much fun being able to celebrate you and Kenzie. And like I said, like in my email to you guys, I definitely have to get the both of you back on um, sometime in the yeah, upcoming week. To. I have a couple, I have some, some travel coming up next week. But after that, like, oh, I guess it's this week, actually. But um, 
But after that, I'm free and would love to get both of you on again to just talk about a million different topics. I mean, I think you both are so wonderful and so amazing. So, you know, I definitely got to have you both on. And Kenzie has been pressing me to get a trip planned um, besides just coming yeah. to Chicago. So <laughs> I promised her I'd be. <laughs> I promised her I'd be. I'm just laughing because I like that, know um, those text soon. messages. <laughs> yeah. Well, come on anytime. You're obviously welcome. And, you know, we're just so stoked to see you uh, taking off with the podcast and taking off at Nestle. So let us know of anything we can do on our end. Melanie, thank you so, so much for coming on today. I know we all gained some great insights from you. I'm sure half of the people that are listening today are about to go apply to Google. But seriously, guys. It's the end of the week. Well, no, it's the middle of the week. It's winning Wednesday. It's time to go grab some wins. And you know what? It's about time you guys go out and go do something nice for somebody today. I've, I'll tell you this. I held the door open for a couple people. I even told somebody that I really liked her shoes and it made her day, she says. But, you know, long story short, go follow us on Facebook. Follow us on Instagram. Sign up for the Millennial Hustle newsletter. And, guys, like, Keep winning. We got to keep winning. This is our summer to do this. So let's do this. Thanks for tuning in. And don't forget to follow our blog at itsmillennialtalk.com. Follow us on social media at underscore millennial way on Instagram and Twitter.